All right. So we went out and did it. We bought a house and I would say we got boned. Yeah, we slipped a little. You would think at this point in our lives, we're pretty darn experienced. I mean, we haven't bought and sold a lot of homes, but we've done three. Mm -hmm. This is our third. Think we would miss some pitfalls. We did not get ready for a great episode. This should be fun. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hey, listeners. Ever wonder what it would be like to blow up your comfort zone at the tender age of 50? Well, we did just that. When our last kid went off to college, we hit the road in search of a new hometown. Now we bounce from city to city and bring you along for the ride. This is the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. Welcome back, All-Stars, to another episode of Skip Town All-Stars. We are so not excited to be talking with you today. <laughs> Can you believe I just said that? Well, it's just because of a few uh, experiences we've had in the past, I don't know, a couple of weeks. They haven't been terrible, but I just think that at the point we are in our lives, we expect things to go a certain way, and when they don't, we get old angry. I'm a little bit surly at the moment. Yeah. Yes, I am. Jack's raging bile duct. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, I can start off by saying that this podcast was brought about from a reel I saw on Instagram. And then everything just kind of <laughs> spiraled from there. Yeah. So there was a reel I saw from uh, a real estate group in Texas. And the real estate group's name is, because I want people to see what I'm referring to. It's called Gifford Group ATX. So it's okay. G-I-F-F-O-R-D Group, G-R-O-U-P, A for Austin, T-X for Texas. So this, this reel is really interesting. It goes into how important it is to buy your kid a house. Mm -hmm. and so this is a real estate group. Okay. Yeah. Got and it. the gist of it really falls in line with what we learned being in Savannah and me at Nicaea. Mm -hmm. her, her son works at Walmart, makes $24,000 a year, yep. bought mm -hmm. his first house, $100,000. Uh, she got him in, foot in the door with real estate, creating generational wealth. And at 23, 24 years old, yeah. Exactly. It's been an inspiring story and we've talked about it at length. Yes, so this reel came up and I thought, oh my God, this is exactly what Isaiah has been touting. Mm -hmm. Buy your child a home and start generational wealth. Yeah. Well, help your child buy a home. Yes. Is her, is her. Yeah. Her thing was help your child <laughs> yeah. buy a home, right? Yeah. This video is buy your child a home, which, which I thought, okay, whatever. I'm going to look at this reel. What started off, I know that these women started it off as like a good idea. Good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Oh, this one was paved with diamonds. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh-huh. So they show in this reel a, my guess is, $2.5 million home. And while they're doing a tour of this home, little captions are popping up. Wait, as to you said $2.5 million. Yeah. You just said two and a half million. I, I'm not a real estate agent, but it's in Austin. The house I know, is beautiful. You're guessing, right. I, okay. Two I mean, million. I'm looking at as this, as you're talking, this thing is playing back yeah. and I'm kind of watching uh -huh. and wishing our bathroom was as nice as that one that I just saw. Oh yeah. There's a pool here too. Yeah. Is there a pool? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's not a pool. It's a, um, it's a fire pit. It doesn't matter. The ceilings are like 16 feet high. Yeah. So they're, they're using this house as an example of what you should buy for your child. Okay. It's a pretty house, but none of my kids are getting this house. Uh, no. And if you saw the comments, it really is a peek into 
America at large. Uh, I'm going to read some of these Good. comments because it really is. I can't wait. Let's get into the meat potatoes of uh, what people have to say about their two and a half million dollar house. Yeah. So there's 814 comments. Let's just start with comment number one. Okay, cool. I really was wondering what to do with that spare $75,000 I had laying around after bringing <laughs> a new and expensive dependent into my world. Mm. All right. Comment number two. 77.4 million families live below the poverty line in the U.S. And your advice is every parent should buy their child a house. Please stop. Mm. Another comment. Tell me you're rich without telling me you're rich. <laughs> Another comment. I can't even buy myself a house. Okay, here's one. Now, give me advice as a parent raising three kids under $40,000 a year salary. They just go on and on. I was so taken by the comments of people saying, I can't pay my electric bill. I can't pay, pay my phone bill. And you're posting a reel like this. Uh, I had to go and look at some of the people that were posting. One lady wrote, I have two kids. My husband and I live in an apartment. I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford a home. I looked at her profile. Yeah. She was like, a normal family, like cute little pictures in front of a Christmas tree. I think mm -hmm. they were out to dinner in another photo. This is a family of four. She looked roughly in her late 40s. Maybe mm. her husband was early 50s. This post was was meant to be educational, but bothersome in so many ways for that so many people. Sounds pretty elitist, but let me ask you a question. Um, the, the gist of this is they're saying to buy the house for your child. So you purchase it with your money or in your child's name or what? Yes. Both? So you, uh, you purchase it in, with in your, it, what they said, if you look at the, uh, the pop-ups, mm -hmm. the pops up, the pop-ups explain really well what you should do. Every parent should consider buying a house for their child. Then it says, um, each, every, every child, child you, you have, have purchase, purchase a house for them, them put, put a, a renter, renter in there. there. Once that child becomes 18 years old, you have oh. two options. <laughs> so wait, they're talking about buying kids who aren't even of age yet. Yeah. A house. And, yeah. Okay. And then they talk, they talk about how you can sell that house, take the equity, pay the taxes on the equity, pay for their college education, or mm -hmm. you can take the home, sell it, do a 1031 exchange, purchase a home in the college town that they're going to be living in. And then they can live in it. Okay. Yeah. There are nuggets of good advice in there. I would say overall, I think demographic wise, they're aiming at a different target than uh, the 1%. They're, they're, they're aiming at least the top 5%. Yeah. Okay. The top five. I say the top one because they're showing a $2.5 yeah. million dollar home as an example. Yeah. Okay. It is possible to help your kid buy a home, but let's talk about it realistically, like not in stupid fantasy elitist terms. Yeah. Let's forget about this post because it's inane to 95% of the population. Nobody is going to just buy their 14 year old house and sit on it. If you're, if you're, if you're going to buy a house, then you're buying an investment property and maybe you give it to your kid one day or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. It's like the messaging is off. It's like they're doing three things at once. They are. They're like, buy, they're either saying buy an investment property, but you can't buy an investment property in your child's name. So you're, you're you may be buying it for your children. Cause they're saying but, generational wealth, but th they shouldn't put generational weird. wealth they in that. You just say, Hey, real. buy a bunch of investment properties or uh, you know, four. If you have four kids, buy four investment properties. Oh, that's good advice. You yeah, know, if you have the money, do that. 
but determine like buy it for your children or what i don't know it's weird i don't know the whole thing's weird especially with the house that they're showing it's like yeah. a mansion so. so then i felt like we should do this podcast and talk about what's actually legitimately real for people like us you know you and i uh yeah and it's gotten real so it has we uh started investigating helping our daughter as a first-time buyer to secure her own house uh -huh. in the Corpus Christi real estate market. Correct. So that she wasn't throwing all her money away now that she has a job and she's gainfully employed and it, she's doing great. So it seems like she's going to be employed for <laughs> the rest of her life. <laughs> Hasn't been fired yet. Hasn't been fired yet. So, uh, and they love her there. She's doing a great job. But um, we decided rather than her chucking all her money away into a bigger apartment or a nicer apartment or yeah, what have you. Yeah, because she wanted to move. Yeah. It was time to uh, look at buying a house. So newsflash she's in escrow mm -hmm. it's almost over we're almost to the closing date uh we have a lot to talk about in terms of how <laughs> we got here uh, but anyway uh, uh we found a real estate agent in corpus christi well, let me just backtrack a minute did you know that you only need 3.5 percent down on a home as a first-time home buyer we we were not aware of that until icia told us right Houses in Corpus range anywhere from $150,000 to $700,000. Looking at our daughter who makes $45,000 a year, we had to be realistic on what she could afford. Yeah. We felt like $200,000 was the cap, which means a down payment of around $7,000. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have closing costs. We're going right. to help her with that. Okay. I see a finds a real estate agent. First agent seemed very nice, seemed knowledgeable, uh, shows up at the first house to show Parker with her seven-year-old daughter. So Parker called me and said, yeah, she couldn't really like show me even the second or third house because they were going to some sort of fair. <laughs> <laughs> Parker, nice. Parker said, is this normal? And I said, Pro oh. move. Yeah, I said, no. I said, as a first time home buyer, you want your agent to hold your hand. And most agents who are full-time real estate agents know this. There are a lot of part-time real estate agents they do very well for themselves. Mm -hmm. That was not what we wanted for Parker. And unfortunately, when the woman represented herself to ICEA, she didn't represent herself in, as a type of person who brings her kids along for showings. Had if they were dating, this woman definitely sent her her representative. <laughs> she sent ICEA her representative, for, for sure. For sure, for yeah. sure. So we had to then find a different real estate agent. How do you do that when you're traveling and your daughter's 23 years old and she doesn't work in real estate? She doesn't know what to look for, what not to look for. What to ask. She doesn't know what to ask. Right. And she's just like, okay, I guess I'll put on my makeup and get in the car and go meet this person. <laughs> so that's kind of it. I mean, that sums up Parker's experience. So the way she found her current real estate agent was just by chance. She was on Zillow because she she's like, this woman isn't sending me anything. And she, yeah. she would say to me, I haven't heard from her in days. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, go on realtor.com. Start just looking at houses that are like under 200,000. Yep. And let's go from there. Cut to like a couple hours later, <laughs> Parker finds a house on Zillow. She calls the agent because she wants to know I don't know what the question was she had to ask him or was it there an open house or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And he tells her, oh, this house is already in escrow. I need to take it down. Uh, it, it moved really quickly. Uh, he asks her a couple questions. She ends up liking him. She felt like he knew what he was doing. She called me and said, hey, 
there's this real estate agent that mm. I talked to when I was looking at a house and he really kind of knows his stuff. And he has an office here in Corpus. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he, he's based out of San Antonio, but he has an office here. Mm-hmm. I think I want him to like maybe represent me. Could he be the one showing me around? So he ended up being her real estate agent. Patrick. Yes. So Patrick, uh, took her under his wing and started sending her listings. Now, Patrick is unfortunately not in Corpus. But he's from Corpus. So that helps out a lot. Tremendously because he's born and raised there. He knows the area very well. He has an office there. So Parker would go with different agents that were in his Corpus location. So he'd send her like six or seven listings. She'd pick the two or three she liked. Then like somebody would go out with her and look at houses. Mm -hmm. This happened for about six weeks. And what was happening is because the amount of money we were willing to spend on a house was so small, anything that was remotely upgraded or remotely move-in ready flew within an hour. I mean, within an hour. she would. There were a lot of near misses, yeah. Yes, she would get there and they would say, oh, Two people before you came, the one person already put off or anything. Yeah, that one place they went to, there wasn't even a key in the lockbox. They're like, oh yeah, we just went into escrow this morning. <laughs> yeah, so it was extremely frustrating to say the least. Yeah. Uh, it didn't help that because she's a first-time home buyer, doesn't have a ton of work experience coming right out of college, she right. had to get an FHA loan. And sellers, we learned, don't like to sell their homes to buyers with FHA loans because there are certain repairs that FHA may require before it goes into escrow, meaning maybe you have to get your bushes trimmed. Just kind of bullshit, I guess. And and sellers just don't want to deal with that. And FHA makes you do that. Well, kind yes. Um, but according to our lender, not as much as it, they used to. Uh, it's true. You're absolutely right. People see FHA and they freak, and our lender did explain that it's those are days of the past. They don't do that as much anymore. The perception is that you are more subject to rigorous inspections as an FHA sell, selling to an FHA buyer than you would normally be if you were just selling to somebody. Conventional. Yeah, in a conventional loan. So, so we tried to get her a conventional loan because we wanted to make her more appealing, but the amount of money the banks would give her uh, was really low. It dropped. Yeah. $150,000. There were no homes available. Yeah. It dropped by like 75 K. So we had to stick with FHA. So it was hard. (laughs) I love you go. Cause every time she saw a house, it was always gone. Yeah. So what ended up happening is we found her a house, but because we had been through so much heartache on homes that she liked and were Mm. snatched quickly. Yeah. We just offered a full price for this house. From the photos, it looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like such, I'm sound like such a dipshit saying that, but it's true. I, you know, look, we did as much recon, and so did the real estate agent. Yeah. I mean, he told us this area is a very nice area, and Parker drove around and said there are. $700,000 homes, there are $200,000 homes, but it wasn't um, an area that had been overrun with, I don't know. Um, gangs. Go ahead. Just say it. Gangs. Well, gangs are not, not just <laughs> what are you gangs. Thinking about? I'm thinking like strip malls, <laughs> stuff like that. Like oh. it just, it was more of like 
a cute neighborhood. It's kind of a neighborhood that's sectioned off. It's on the south side of Corpus Christi. It's sectioned off a little bit from, yeah, all the strip malls. And the streets there are actually somewhat drivable. We've yeah. talked at length about how Corpus Christi has a long way to go in terms of in infrastructure. But um, it was a, it's a good area. That's what we know. It is a good area. The houses were nice. And it, it was like one of those areas where it was like different walks of life are living in there. Yeah. Uh, and so you had some older people, you had some new buyers, you had some families that had been there for a little while, that kind of thing. I mean, so there were people at her work every time she was interested in a house who would say, no, don't do that. That area is terrible. Yeah. Or that street's really busy. You won't be able to get out of your driveway. And when she had mentioned this area to all of her friends at work, everyone said, oh, that's a really nice area. Yeah. So all of this to say, we were super excited that she found a house. They yep. would accept an FHA buyer. Yep. And um, so we offered full price. We didn't even negotiate. No, I mean, why we we'd been just knowing what a frenzy it was over the previous five houses that right. she was interested in or what have you. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know what? Uh, we know what she can get approved for. This certainly fits that budget. Uh, and then some. So that was good. There was a little bit of wiggle room there. She wasn't totally maxing out. Uh, but yeah, it was like we had to move. We had to move on it. So. Yeah. So the the beauty of the house is that it uh, has never been remodeled. And the downside of the house is that it's never, never been, been remodeled. remodeled. <laughs> so you're walking into 1983. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. okay. Anyone who's ever bought a house knows the piles of paperwork you have to provide. And as a first time home buyer, she's unaware. So all the emails are coming to James and I, yeah. all the questions, it was just annoying. <laughs> it was and annoying. I don't know. I, I know there's real estate agents out there that are, I know you can agree with me. You will never say it. You just need two pieces of paper to sell a house. Here's what you need to know yep. as a buyer. Has anyone died in this house? Was it ever used as a meth lab? And is there like an ancient burial ground in the back? That's, That's all it. you want to know. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Those are the three things. Two pieces of paper, all we need. I do not understand. Hundreds and hundreds of pieces of paper. It's total and utter freaking bullshit. And as it turns out, that pile was not going to get any smaller because as we went on, we were advised that because of the way Parker's job processes her overtime pay, that you and I were going to have to be the co-signers on this loan. <laughs> yes. So that came up out of the blue, which was fine until we realized all the paperwork that we now have to supply for ourselves. So, uh, yeah, so that was, um, yeah, that was annoying. Well, I had, oh, I've, well. had to, I've had to, I've had to supply more invasive info on our finances <laughs> as a co-signer for her than I had to buying our Florida investment property. Uh-huh. It's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I, and you can't get mad at the lender, even though I do want to like get mad. Even though we do. At, yeah, we'll I want to tell Darlene and Michael, do not call me anymore about this. Don't ask me I another got a question. Little, I know. I got a little like the one day in the car. Remember, I got a little like frustrated and terse with Darlene. And I feel so bad. Because I know because she's so sweet. She's awesome. Yeah. She's and, like she and Michael have been so great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, Darlene, if you're listening to the show, I know I was a little edgy that one day. And it's, it's not even her. It's the bank that's asking. She's course. just the messenger. Yeah. Uh -huh. She's just like, do you want this for your kid or not? And finally I was like, okay, I'll send it. So what we've learned 
we've learned several things. Okay. The first thing we learned is that please make sure your real estate agent and your lender get Play along. Nice. Oh my gosh. It okay. went off the rails quick with those. It pe- really did. Those two. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly where it went off the rails, but I Patrick, do. who was so instrumental in helping Parker find this house and who's been a great advocate for her throughout this whole process, and our lender, for whatever reason, uh, quickly were not on the same page with each other. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Texas versus California thing. Oh, it was. I know it was probably like, I do think um, our real estate agent in Texas would have preferred to use the lender in Texas that he was accustomed to using. Oh, yeah. He asked me, uh, he suggested his lender, and I immediately said, oh, we have a lender we've used in the past that we really, really like, so we're going to go with him. Yeah. The day it opened, an hour after escrow, Patrick was sending them the nastiest emails. Yeah. It was insane. And the craziest part about it is Patrick <laughs> is an ex-priest who is so sweet with Parker, has mm-hmm. been nothing but kind to us. So when Michael was telling me our our real estate agent was going off on them, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And Michael said, let me just give you some perspective. And he sent me this email <laughs> that Patrick sent to them. Michael getting the wrath of God. I love it. All he asked, all he asked for, was what the taxes were in the. Yeah. <laughs> he asked the title company what the taxes were in the county that Parker's buying the house, and something set Patrick off. No, and seems they, like a one sentence answer, right? And they have not been friends since. They have not. They no, have not. no, no, not due to anything Michael's done. Michael's like, I'm just staying in my lane. Yeah, I don't. I mean. <laughs> And so the other it's weird. I mean, you know, it's at the end is business and everyone all wants to get paid. So, know. you know, it's, but it's like the acrimony and, and there have been a few, a few, uh, there've been a few jabs from Patrick along the way. Like this lender really drives me crazy. I would never use this lender or uh-huh. whatever he says it. And then I have to so be really funny. nice about it because, um, <laughs> I just, because I want the deal to finish. And yeah. so I'll say, like, I'll just text Patrick back and say something like, oh, well, let me find out about this because we've never had a problem with this lender. Like the other day, uh, the buyer wants to close early, which mm-hmm. we're fine with. I'm yeah. sorry, the seller. The seller, seller. wants to We're close the early. We're the buyer. Uh, the seller wants to close early. The so- buyer wants to close early too. They want this <laughs> shit over with. Go on. And so Patrick sends me a text, the real estate agent, and says, can we close early? The sellers wants to know. The sellers want to know. And I, I'm like, okay, let me reach out to Michael Michael, and Darlene. Yeah. So Darlene's like, oh, we don't have a problem closing early. We're waiting on the survey of the house. And I said, who's in charge of that? Thinking I can make a phone call, right? Yeah. And she said, oh, the title company. Well, Patrick owns the title company. <laughs> okay. So now I, um, I call Patrick and I say, hey, Patrick. Uh, you know, we can definitely close early, but we're waiting on the survey. And from my understanding from the lender, it's on your desk. Yeah. Yeah. They've, (laughs) they've been waiting. And so then he says, that's impossible. Second day we, we opened escrow. We sent them the survey. Um, you know, I've been really unhappy with this lender since the beginning, but so he goes (laughs) off right off on, on Michael and Darlene. I don't say a word to Michael or Darlene about this. I know they're going to hear it now. They already know. Yeah. And so he they goes- They already know what it, he, They already know that, that he, there's no love loss there. He goes off about it. And I said, okay, 
I said, if you sent it, then maybe, because I'm trying to play nice, I said, maybe it slipped through the cracks. Let me get a hold of them. I call Darlene back and I say, hey, so he's saying he sent it to you on the second day of escrow. And um, I'm wondering, did it maybe slip through the cracks knowing it didn't, but I just have to ask, right? And so she goes, oh, no. Here, we got an email at the beginning of the week from his title company saying the survey is behind. They hired the wrong person because they weren't familiar with this county. They had to send someone else out. And the survey should be done late afternoon on Friday. And this was Friday morning. So then I am about to email Patrick. And as I'm sending the email, I'm typing it out. Patrick immediately calls me and says, um, my mistake. I got two houses confused. Um, yeah, the survey is not going to be done till today. So never even said, I'm sorry, your lender actually has been doing a good job. He just said, <laughs> no, he's I'm not going to say that. No, he said, I'm really sorry. Uh, just got wires crossed. I was like, fine, cool, whatever. Um, it's just such a bummer because I actually like Patrick and I would same. want to use him again, but I can't because because I'm we're always, always going to have the same lender. Yeah, like, we, that uh, never go away. Multiple transactions uh-huh. and uh, came highly recommended from oh. a number of our friends yeah. with tricky situations and all that. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So the like, lender stayed. This is a no-brainer. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like our California lender got us a better rate on the Florida property than the Florida lender could get us. Yeah, it's true. The California guy stays. Sorry to any future real estate agents we may be dealing with. Get used to some California in your life. I know. So uh, for those of you who are not up to speed, I know several people probably know and maybe some people who follow us on social media or whatever, but in the middle of our trip, by the way, to Orange Beach and loving life at Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, uh-huh. Fairhope, Alabama, which is fantastic. Uh, in the middle of that, we realized, holy crap, like we could lose our earnest money if we do not schedule the inspection in time. And we knew that having a 23-year-old daughter do her inspection for the very first house that she's ever bought unattended by her parents was going to be a huge mistake. Uh So in 24 hours, we flew out of Pensacola and got to Corpus Christi for a 9 a.m. Monday inspection. Was it 9 a.m.? Doesn't matter. 10 a.m. Felt like 9 a.m. I don't know. It was a blur. We didn't even sleep. Uh, did the inspection and then flew back to Orange Beach to finish our tour uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> for the show. Yeah. It was insane. It was an insane 24 hours, but it was so worth it because, you know, I just cannot. Okay. So there was a point during the inspection where the inspector was taking us around and showing us a couple of things, the HVAC, uh-huh. the sink, the this, the that. And I look over at Parker and she looks like baby Yoda. <laughs> She's just glazed. Just glazed over and looking at me, not understanding a single word that the inspector's saying. All she can think about is where the TV is going to go. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. She literally was just concerned about the television. It was ridiculous because in that moment, <laughs> she was like five years old in my eyes again. <laughs> it was like, uh-huh. why are we buying this kid a house? She's so not ready for this. She is. She absolutely no, is. No, she's totally ready. She's totally ready. She's, she's like totally responsible. 20- I know. But it's like, she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And there's a part of me where it's like, oh my God, if my parents were buying me a house at this age, I probably would just be like, I'm putting a keg in the garage <laughs> and I'm putting a TV over there. So yeah. in fairness to Parker, she was just doing what 23-year-old kids do. So Yeah. So we go there. 
we go to the inspection and, and earnest money really quick. Most people know what this is, but it's a couple thousand dollars you put down basically saying, I like this house, put it on hold for me yep. until the inspection is over. And you have about 10 days to get all your inspectors in and out. Uh, okay. Here's something. It's so hard. Or you lose that money. Yeah. If you back out, you lose yeah. it if you back out. So when we bought our very, very first house, what I didn't realize at all was that as a buyer paying for the inspector, that's your employee. That is your employee. You are paying for them. You can ask them any question you want. Yeah. But can I tell you at 30 years old and at 54 years old, it is the same. Real estate agents do not want you talking to the inspector. It's crazy. They are so afraid that that inspector yeah. is going to kill the deal. So when I was 30 years old, I remember my real estate agent letting me be in the house with the inspector, but not allowing me to talk to him. He kept saying, you can't talk to him. Don't ask him any questions. And at 30 years old, I actually thought the seller was paying for this. Right. So I was very, very respectful. Yeah. Not even knowing I paid for the inspector. I owned him. I owned him. I can call him as much <laughs> okay, as I well, want. Well, you don't own him. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> but <laughs> but okay. you were paying him to so, do, provide a service. Yes. At 54 years old, I know I just paid $800 for this inspector who basically is there for me. Mm -hmm. Patrick did not want us in the house. He did not. He did not. He um, literally said, don't go in the house. And I'm like, I'm paying this guy. Like, I, I, I'm paying this guy. I'm going to go in the house. And when we got there, the inspector said, I love it when the owners are here. He said, I can show you. I'm so sorry. The buyers are here. I can show you all the things that are in the report that may not come across, you know, as favorable as, as it is. Yeah, but it, they're not life and death. Right. He's like, in person, it's so much easier to explain, but on paper, it may seem like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. So I do understand Patrick's point of allowing the inspector time to go in and do the inspection and then meeting up with him, some sort of overlap, like like giving them an hour, a full hour or something or hour and a half, whatever that is. So okay, sure, that but, was his point but I'm early you, on. Yes. But he also, his first comment to us was, you know, you're going to want to wait to go in until the inspection's over. And we were like, uh, no, we're totally going to be there for some of it. I'm telling you, as a first time home buyer, you're paying that inspector to do his job. Yep. Yes, you want him to do it. So you don't want to be interrupting him the entire time. But you're paying him. I cannot get this across enough because I think too many agents are scared that the inspector will will frighten the new buyer away and they don't want the new buyer anywhere near the inspection. But the new buyer is paying for the inspection. It makes no sense. Here's my suggestion also. And I wish if we had had more time, I would have done this. I would have brought in an independent electrician an independent plumber to look at the house because an inspector is just kind of like an umbrella for mm -hmm. everything, but he's not a plumber right. and he's not an electrician. He can point out things that don't look right to him. Yeah. But the truth is, please, like if I ever do this again, which we will for ourselves, I will definitely have an uh, electrician there and a plumber and I won't be out of state when I'm doing it. I will make sure I'm in state, but, but, Look. It's worth the extra couple hundred dollars. You're oh. going to pay them about a hundred dollars an hour or something exactly. like that to go in and oversee everything. Exactly. But it's worth it. Now your real estate agent may balk. Who cares? Who cares? You're buying this house. Mm -hmm. You have to know that it is going to stand the test of time because you could be there for 15, 20 years. I have a friend who bought a house 
And her biggest regret right now is that she didn't have a plumber when they had their inspection because the moment they walked in, they've had nothing but plumbing problems. Their backyard's yeah, so been flooded. Like two or three months later, they they were dropping 15K on solving some problems yep. with the plumbing. And it would have cost them maybe 300 with a plumber to come in and, and look at the house. Yeah, and they could have got that in a comp. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we meet the inspector. All right, we hop on a plane. Now, there's a lot going through both of our heads. Obviously, we're seeing the house for the first time. The inspector is pointing out everything bad about this house. Yeah. Everything. My head is spinning. Parker is asking us in the car on the way to the airport, do you like the house? Do you like the house? Like, am I making the right decision? James is, is in his head. Mm -hmm. Then a family group text comes through and we're on the oh, way to God, the airport. Do this. <laughs> My God, we had already. Okay, go on. You just, you want me to be, we haven't even talked about the contractor yet, which pisses me off. Oh, yeah. And now we're going to talk about this, uh -huh. which pisses me more off. Uh -huh. okay. So we get a photo sent to us from our youngest daughter, Ellie, division one volleyball athlete. You love saying division one. I do. Cause she works so hard for it. So shut up. Okay. <laughs> She's made all your dreams come true. So you I just so stop. So you just stop. Okay. <laughs> she so made all your it. dreams come true. She sends us a photo. She had an ingrown toenail, which she has had through the course of her whole life since soccer. She's had all these ingrown toenails, all of them taken out successfully. And then just recently, a new one came up for her. And she sends us a photo. She went to a doctor to get her ingrown toenail taken out, and they removed half of her toenail. Mm -hmm. I'm in the car and I screamed in the car. I didn't I scream. You screamed. And then what happened? I went And then we all looked at our phones to see the toe. And at first she was like wearing it as a badge of honor. Look at the size of this thing they removed. And the rest of us were horrified because half of her toenail was missing. And it was so so much of an overreach in terms of procedure. Dr. Siebel is listening right now mm -hmm. and her and Dr. Maslia uh, have taken such good care of Ellie's toes yeah. all these years. And yeah, so they're uh, pouring some out right now. Oh, if Dr. Siebel saw this, she would be freaking out. Yeah. So I can't even think straight. I have legitimately spiral spiraled out. I call every single person. I call the team doctor. I, I just went crazy. You did. You went crazy. Mm -hmm. Then what happened? You were full blown Karen mode for yeah. sure. Yeah. Cause she can't play. Uh, well, it turns out when her team doctor scheduled her an appointment to go and get this procedure taken care of at the hospital, it's a clinic, it's, it's a clinic, a clinic adjacent to it doesn't a matter. He, he sent her to an OBGYN yep. and OBGYN Ellie got her toenail removed by a resident, by a resident uh -huh. with an attending, who was being with an attending, both OBGYNs, both OBGYNs. Uh -huh. If you were the team doctor for a particular team and you had this great job, great opportunity, you worked your ass off to get there and be involved in athletics in, you know, at the NCAA level. That's mm -hmm. a huge deal. Why on earth would you send? Why on earth would you <laughs> like it just defies logic to me? Why would you send an athlete who has a that's like if somebody pulled a ligament in their knee, sending them to the to yeah, an eye doctor. I know exactly it what was it like. was so 
Mm-hmm. I, I, unfathomable. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, I guess we don't care whether or not the players are on the court next week. It's they were insane. literally sending those kids to any like, doctor. What if she had a real problem, like a huge problem. It, in the end, it's a problem, but it's not like life threatening or right. it's not career ending. Uh-huh. Yeah, the university is just as much to blame as these two doctors who took it upon themselves to practice taking out an ingrown toenail. And that's what it was. They practiced. So this is how we operate together. Um, I spin out immediately Mm -hmm. and I'm going to burn everything to the ground. And you started. And he... He's delayed. I'm a slow burn. Uh huh. So so what what will take about four or five days for me to, to start tearing apart... He's usually, it hits him on day five. And then he's, his delayed reaction is just so weird because I've already (laughs) gone crazy. So when he finally goes crazy, I'm like, this is a little Everybody else gets big eyed and looks at me like, (laughs) this is a little Welcome to the party. So I, I just, I don't even know. I can't even, I can't, there's not enough time in this podcast to tell everybody what I did. You started your email campaign and your phone campaign before we were even out of Orange Beach, before we we were were even out of Texas. No, no, we were in the airport. Yeah. Okay, so the very first phone call was to the first person that referred Ellie to- The team trainer. The team trainer. So I called her. Now she's a young girl. She's in her 20s. Uh, So I was was very clear with her on, I sent her a picture of the toenail. And, and she, she was like, oh, 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 okay. And I said to her, um, I know you don't pick the hospital. I know you did not make the relationship with this hospital. So now I'm going to hang up with you and call your boss. And she <laughs> was like, okay, let me give you her number. Well. <laughs> okay. So I had already had it. I'd called her boss. Then I called the next boss. Then I went uh, to the next person. So then what happened and you were calling the hospital the clinic oh, the clinic so the clinic would not return my calls the two doctors wouldn't return my calls the attending wouldn't return my call the resident wouldn't return my call there were two problems they didn't communicate what they were going to do before they did it and the second problem was they didn't tell her how it was going to impact in the short run her playing time and the long run, the cosmetic look of her toe mm-hmm. for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a huge problem. It is. And so I wanted to speak with both of them and neither one would return my calls. They refused to return my calls. So let's rewind for a second. You told the girl at the clinic who was answering the phone, who had the, the misfortune of having to answer the phone when you were calling, mm-hmm. you told her, I'm so sorry, I need a call back because otherwise I'm just going to have to torture you. I did say that. <laughs> I did. And I don't want to have to torture you. She was very nice. I did not want to torture her. And I said to you, this is a sign of maturity for you because 20 years ago, you would have said, I'm going to torture you until I get answers. I would have said that. And this time you said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to torture you. I know. I've really grown. That's a lot of progress, honey. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. And then what happened was the fourth day I called, because I'd been calling every day a couple times a day. Uh, the fourth day I called, oh, someone new got on the phone. So, yeah. The office manager. Uh-huh. And she- Your new friend. She was the closer. <laughs> she told she me- She was the brick wall. She was. Yeah. She told me to stop calling, mm-hmm. that the doctor was never going to call me back. The doctors did not owe me a phone call. And um, if I had a problem with the level of care, they had given Ellie mm-hmm. to go to urgent care. So then I love these phone calls, I got to say, because someone like her really could destroy someone who isn't as experienced 
as handling these people as I am. So if you're like a sweet little mom <laughs> from Kansas, you're going to hang up and cry. But if you lived in LA for 25 years and have constantly been have been told to- We like, out on these streets. Yeah. To, we to, out on these streets, yeah, babe. To get into the back of the line and shut <laughs> the F up. Yeah. So I was like, okay, come on, bring it. I was like, okay. I said, so then I said to her, okay, so you're willing, you're willing to sever your relationship with Seattle University because this is a student athlete. They referred to your hospital and I'm going to tell them what you just told me. And she said, yep. So after a quick little Google search, we were able to find the, what was his title? Oh, chief medical officer. The chief, the chief medical officer of the clinic in question. And, and the president of the, of the, of the um, hospital. And I remember this, it was a Friday night. Yeah. And it was so, around 6 PM Pacific time in Seattle. And you fired off your message to both of them mm -hmm. and you got a response right away. I did. So I had to file a formal complaint with the hospital, which I did. And then I wrote a really nice email to the chief medical officer and the president of the hospital and uh, sent them pictures of her toenail. And sure, people get wrong, wrong legs removed all the time. <laughs> Jesus what this is just a toenail, but they just needed to know how someone was behaving with 18-year-old athletes. That's what this was about. There had to be a check and balance somewhere. This girl- Yeah, and the school has invested money in these athletes. Absolutely. And the buck couldn't stop with the 35-year-old girl who told me to stop calling. Yeah. Like, it just was told you to go piss off. Uh-huh. I emailed him. Boom. Right away, got an email from somebody. They called Ellie. So I don't know what's going to happen. My goal is I want this girl fired. Can I tell you something? It's not going to happen. I know. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Call her. Call her this next week. She'll still be answering. Oh, I know phone. she will. Yeah, I did um, my best. I can't. I you can did walk your best. Away. You, walk, you and then you took it over on the school side. Yeah, and I'm still I, working on it there. I know because you came to me the other day. So uh, in the middle of all this, like it was four days out, the doctor still hadn't called Ellie. I blew my stack finally one day because I was just so tired of like hearing. Everything, it was all noise or it was all like stonewalling on the part of the hospital. And uh, you did, you actually did get a lot of help from one of the administrative staff at Seattle University, uh, one of oh. the, the assist, the second athletic yeah, director. Yeah, she's amazing. But I was four days in and I still did not know the answer to the question, why did they have to take off half the nail and will it grow back? Those two questions no, were, were still, and I lost my shit in you the did. office that one day. Yeah. You said you're going to sue everybody. Screaming. You started screaming, I'm going to get an attorney. And I'm like, we don't know one. <laughs> Plus it's a, it's a toenail. It's a toenail. Nobody's going like, to take I'm my like, case. Let him spin out. <laughs> I know. But I was just like so angry. I, at that point, I really was starting to get angry at Ellie. I'm not going to lie because it was like, she was just going about her life, you know? Uh -huh. Oh, and yeah. she was good. Like she was like, oh, you know, mom's upset, and they probably shouldn't have done that to my nail, but it's not. It's probably not going to grow back. But well, oh well, whatever. And it's like no, not no, oh well, not whatever. whatever. Like you can't. If we can't trust you to walk into a clinic, uh -huh. a clinic's room. Yeah. What are you fucking calling? I can't even talk right now. <laughs> it's um, a clinic. It's yeah, a clinic. If you can't walk into like the procedure room or yeah. whatever, and like not ask the questions, and yeah, mom has to do all this stuff for it. anyway. Wait, during <laughs> all of this, so let me just explain. Okay. I've got you screaming at me on the phone that you can't believe nothing's been answered. The lady just told me to literally like hit the bricks. Mm -hmm. And then while this is happening, Parker is texting me photos of 
pink couches. <laughs> to bring it back full circle. <laughs> Asking me if I think this pink couch will look good in the living room. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not lying when I tell you all this was happening at once. Yeah. And I, I just was like, I... I'm just going to throw this phone away. Yeah. <laughs> just going to throw this phone away. So, uh, okay. So where are we right now? So, uh, right okay. Now- so where it is right now is, uh, you <laughs> okay. know, oh, oh. Uh, uh, the athletic director met with Ellie and they came up with, you know, uh, sort of some recommendations between the two of them and what should happen in the future uh-huh. when something like this comes uh-huh. up. And yeah. at the very least, you know, Ellie being a poli sci major, uh, it shows you what can get done, I guess, when you fire off enough emails and contact all the right people, you know? Yeah, maybe she'll learn something from I it. I hope it's illustrative. Um, I did have to have a FaceTime with all the girls because Ellie kept rolling her eyes. And at one point she asked me to stop calling mm -hmm. and I had to have a FaceTime with all three girls and just explain to them that the reason I do this is not to be a Karen, but to show how much we care. And, um, it's not about, it's not about me getting one over on somebody or me being the boss. It's about me showing them that some, that adults can't treat you like this. And think that it's okay because it's not okay for a doctor to do a procedure and not tell you what they're going to do. Yes. And when you're 18 years old, you don't know what kind of questions to ask. When you're 45 years old, you don't know what kind of questions to ask. So I'm going to always be their biggest advocate. And if that makes them uncomfortable, they have to either tell me and I'll stop or deal with it. <laughs> and they all said they'll deal with it. They did. They all said Parker, they preferred okay, it. Okay, but the best part of that conversation was Parker was in such a hurry to get off the phone that day. <laughs> yeah, she didn't even look And then bothered. like a half an hour later, somebody said something to her at work about <laughs> how her schedule is going to be permanently changed to some undesirable hour or uh -huh. day or whatever. Yeah. And she's like screaming. And I said, one of the things I said to them while we were on the, while you were on the phone with them, I said, listen, I'm an empty nester and I have no children to raise. You guys are all off on your, technically you're all off on your own. I'm trying to help you as much as I can as your advocate. Good word. Uh, from here on out, it's a consultation, but I'm just letting you know, like if something rises to the level of something serious, if somebody does something seriously wrong to you, I'm not afraid to do the time, you know? <laughs> that and did not help the conversation at all. I, I told them I will do a stretch of 25, like standing on my head. No problem. If somebody, some guy messes with you, anything. You will be someone's little bitch so fast. I don't think so. I'm a pretty big dude. <laughs> There's bigger ones in Unfortunately, there. Unfortunately, I probably have to join the Aryan Nation, and I'm diametrically opposed to their political policies. <laughs> yeah, Black Lives Matter will not take you. <laughs> <But> <laughs> the, the Brotherhood will not take no, me. No, they will not. No. So uh, anyway, uh, the end result of that conversation was Parker calling me an hour later and saying, they said this, and they said I'm going to be on this weird schedule, and she's freaking out. And I looked, And I told her on the phone, I said, hey, I go, does this rise to the level of me going to prison? Because if it doesn't, I'm out. And she was like, huh? and she hung up the phone on me. <laughs> is that where we are now? The bar is prison? Yeah, yeah, the bar is prison. So if they have a problem and it doesn't, the problem doesn't lead to prison time, they shouldn't call you. I should, I should have like three or four questions lined up. Is this costing me money? Should, how much should I care? And do I need to go to the clink? You know? Those should be like my three questions when they call me with their problems. No, those should be their three questions before they even call you. They should be, yeah. But they're well, it's they're always gonna cost you money. So that Almost question's always. out. Yeah. I think it should just be really prison time. The best part in all this was I was fully prepared that week to call Mia, 
who we haven't even talked about, <laughs> and tell her, Mia, this slum that you're living in, in Salt Lake City, which everybody has heard about, uh-huh. you, can, you can decide to stay there, but I'm not paying this, these people anymore for your shitty, shitty apartment. And do you know why you didn't make that phone call? Because she's the only kid that's not giving me a headache right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tell her to get a job. I was going to tell her to do all this stuff. I was like, I know your little part-time job and all that other stuff, but you really have to start contributing to your, you know, she's so lucky. Expenses. Ellie's toenail is missing and Parker's, and Parker's an escrow. <laughs> I know. So it was like, I saw her, I, I, I saw her face on the FaceTime and I was looking at the other two and I was like, mm, I'm going to leave me alone. She gives me no trouble. <laughs> that kid gives me no trouble. Uh, anyhow, so in the middle of all this, uh, okay, turns so- out Parker needed some fixes done to her house. Oh yeah. And then that sent him over the edge. So let me jump into that. Uh, we scheduled a handyman to go out to Parker's house because there were certain requirements as a buyer that we decided we were going to do to secure the FHA funding. And they were minimal. Mostly Let's cosmetic just, like, talk stuff. talk about that. We were told Some paneling were... that was rotted at the bottom of the house on the exterior. We were told from the appraiser about $500. Yeah. We were told from the appraiser about now, $500. Now, normally, let me just say this real quick. The seller takes care of this. But the seller was doing some big ticket items for us, like rewiring an electrical box and handling plumbing. So just out of the kindness of our heart, we were thought, we'll show goodwill, we'll pay for these little fixes. Because it was like 500 bucks. Yeah, 500 bucks. So we get the estimate back and it's $2,200. Uh, $2,200, it seemed astronomical to 100%, me. 100%, but here's the thing. I couldn't find any anybody to do the job. There was one other guy besides him, beside him mm-hmm. that I got from our inspector and he didn't speak English. His bid came in at 13 or 1400, which I was thought so expensive. So then when this came in at 22, I was like, this is astronomical. It's supposed to be 500. Mm-hmm. But the first guy didn't speak English. We're not in Texas. Parker doesn't, isn't going to oversee the job. I couldn't run the risk of this guy doing it incorrectly and then us having to pay to redo it sure so i came to you and said he's very expensive but his english is perfect and he sounds like he knows what he's talking about (laughs) he came highly recommended from our real estate agent you spoke with him yeah he's he talked a great game he talked a lot actually too much yeah so then we get his invoice back and uh thirty four hundred dollars later Yep. I am losing my shit. So mm-hmm. I call him up and I just said, hey, four pieces of paneling, a sink. No, not a sink. It's a faucet. Go ahead. What was the third thing? Oh, taking the shutters off. Mm-hmm. There were old, ancient, rusty hurricane shutters on the windows. FHA required some of those to be off because there was no fire egress, right? Okay. So we're boring people with real estate terms now. But uh, bottom line was he had to remove some shutters. He had to do some siding. Uh, and then he also had to replace faucet. the faucet in replace the kitchen it. Just replace the faucet. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, like, are you kidding me with like charging me an extra thousand dollars in labor for these two? Well, uh, my sons were here with me and we did that one thing and we started doing it the one way that Denise and I talked about, but that's the way I, I should have done it this way to begin with. I should have recommended that. And I was, and I was just like, dude, I, I go, Sam, I cannot like, 
how do you charge this much? Thirty four hundred dollars? You're kidding insane. me? I it don't was even insane. know. But we we were we were between a rock and a hard place. So I don't even know what my suggestion would be for someone like this. I know what my suggestion is. My what, suggestion what is, is I should have been in Texas. They I mean, wouldn't have let you fix it. They wanted. No, they, they wouldn't have let me fix no, it. But I could have been there to oversee it. He That's still was going to charge you $3,400. He, was gonna he would not you, have charged me $3,400. He said, oh, well, it's going to be a lot more for this. And I would have been like, oh, well, pack your shit and get the fuck out. Then who would so, you have gotten? I would have found somebody, but I would have been there. That's the point. Oh, okay. So I guess you have to be there. Yeah. You should uh, definitely be there when work is being performed on your house. Rule number one, um, especially because mistakes were made on the second day he was there, or the first day he was there or whatever. And I wasn't involved with that. So, you know, Here's note to self, I should have been involved with it to begin with, because I really do feel like I hate to say it, but I think he had a little bit of the car mechanic thing going on oh, for sure. where he totally took advantage of a woman. And but no, he took advantage of you too. He had you on the phone. You actually spoke with him on the phone before he even purchased any materials the weekend before. And he told you what I he was going to do. I had an understanding of what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. And you and he talked about something entirely different. And I don't know why. I have no idea okay. why he would call That's me. That's my point. I don't know why he would call me and say, That's hey, my point. this is what we're going to do. And I said, okay. do whatever you said you were going to do on the estimate. I kept saying that to him because I'm not a contractor. I have no freaking right. clue. But the fact that he was talking to you versus talking to me, say no more. So anyway. Look, I props to him. He got he squeezed another thousand dollars out of us. But here's what I never understand from a contractor and any contractor listening out there. Hey, send us a message and tell us what it really is. Because I'd love to know. We'll never use this guy again. So well, he got a thousand dollars. But to be honest with you, there's probably ten to fifteen thousand dollars worth of I work. I was just going to say that, that needs to be I done told on that him house. On the phone, I said, Sam, at this rate, I can't, uh, I can't have you back. I can't have like look around this house, Sam. You've been you've seen the house. Mm -hmm. You've been in there. You know stuff needs to be done. Like at this rate, I cannot have you back in this house. Like we're talking at least 15k worth of repairs. Did you actually say that to him? Yes. You said that 15k. I did. Oh. And I I'm like, know you said that. Yeah, I did. How did he respond? Uh, he's like, well, I'm sorry, but you know, there were mistakes made and oh, he uh, I was a misunderstanding. Down. He did not back down. My sons still need to get paid. And everybody thinks it's just because of my sons. It was like, but they, they're uh, grown men. They need, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not questioning all that. What I'm saying is it shouldn't be a thousand dollars. I said, your, your rates were already expensive for what you were charging. And now you want to charge me a thousand more. Mm -hmm. Well, I, this is a, learning experience, which I feel like it shouldn't be. <laughs> like I feel at this point down the road, us being the age we are, it should not be a learning experience. It should be a more tailored and uh, a more refined experience. I but somehow we got between, between the real estate agent, you know, look, I can't, I'm not blaming the real estate agent that we paid full price, but whatever. Okay. Paid full price. The real estate agent and the lender don't get along. We have a contractor who was so okay with just, you know, adding another thousand dollars to a bill. We're not there. Then we have a kid whose toenail is removed while we have another kid asking if a disco ball will look good in her living room. That sums up our experience. And meanwhile, Mia is up in Utah right now, living her best life <laughs> okay. and flying under the radar. She is totally flying under radar in that slummy apartment. Yeah. She definitely bought herself some more time. Or should I say her sisters bought her some time? You're right. They did. Yeah. What would you do differently with this third home buying experience? Like what I, I say, 
always bring a plumber and electrician, but that still doesn't. To inspect. Right. Yes. Those are my definite two. Uh, I would say we did not buy the site unseen. Like we actually saw it, even though she was in escrow, we were still within our yeah, period of we earnest were. and everything where we could have backed out of the deal, but I could have been there. So I would say in the future, when we buy our own next property, uh, I will definitely make it a point to be in that city while I'm there, even if it costs me money to stay somewhere. I don't know a workaround with that. Like, I mean, if there's someone that could say to us, hey, next time this happens, you should go to this website because they have really honest contractors, on, honest contractors and oxymoron, I think, but whatever. Um, but you can get an honest day's work out of people on this website. I don't know if there's such a place. I remember Angie's List used to be no, like a place- but then fire. now it's just all ads and, and people who, Oh my God. Remember those guys when we were doing work on the yes, house in LA, yes. like they sent me out like 10 of the most expensive yes. contractors in so Los I Angeles. I don't know where to go anymore. I really don't. And you can't go. I mean, well, everybody uses next door. So uh, I've had, we've had up or down luck with that. You know what? That is true. Maybe we could have used next yeah. door. You know, I mean, we had a good experience here in Florida. Door. We had a bad experience in California. We had a okay experience here in Florida. And then I had a guy that I called like when the refrigerator went on the fritz and he called me back and he said, well, it sounds like you're pretty handy. So why don't you just order a new compressor and just, you know, it's three clips, pull it out and then you can install it yourself. And it's like the dude didn't make a penny off of me. But this thing goes on the fritz. He's going to be out here. I guarantee he'll be the person on call. So. Okay. So next door. So, okay. But if anybody has any ideas of if you're buying a property and you're not in the same state and you need a handyman, what would you suggest? Because I'd really like to know. Because we went with our real estate agent who now says, I should have never recommended him. I don't like to recommend people. Yeah. I think to myself, real estate agents should have a Rolodex, just age myself, but a Rolodex full of referrals. <laughs> when, a, when a real estate agent doesn't have that, I think that's weird. They should have a Dewey Decimal system Whatever. of contractors. <laughs> Whatever. Don't you agree, I think though? Our, I Don't do. You? I think our situation was a little different this time because we actually had to do the repairs before escrow could close. But doesn't it go back to, don't you think a real estate agent should have a list of people? I do, but I absolutely 100% appreciate why they don't want to recommend people. If you and I were nightmare clients, maybe we are. I don't know. I don't think we are. But if you, if you have nightmare clients or high maintenance clients or clients that you didn't want to be there for the, the inspection, it could totally kill the deal. Oh. You recommend a handyman. The thing you got to remember too is like, again, it's like FHA. We had to do all this stuff before they could actually like give us the paperwork. In most cases, the real estate agent doesn't care who you hire as a handyman because you're doing the work after you've already moved in. You know, the sale is over. The, pr the process is done. I want to do things differently with our next buy. So do I. We're going to be wherever we're like, wherever we're purchasing, we're going to be staying there. All right. So, so listen, if you're listening to the show and you have income property, share your story with us. I want to know how you make it work because I know there are plenty of people that own properties, not in the state they live in. How do they do it? Maybe there's something we're missing because I really feel like maybe we are missing something. Maybe the whole next door thing was it. I have no idea. Maybe I should have looked on there. I mean, it's the closest thing I've found. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, going all the way back to your post that you read oh, that from started this, this real whole estate podcast? company. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important it, it, in reading the comments, it's like, I get it. Like there are people who just don't even know 
how to go about trying to buy their first house. Their finances are really, really tight, they're fixed, all that other stuff. And throwing all your money away in rent every single year after year after year and buying cars instead of buying houses is a sure way to stay in poverty. So uh, the one thing I definitely wanna recommend is Habitat for Humanity. You think they just build houses for like ultra poor people or Section 8 housing or whatever it is, whatever no. their their thing is. They actually have resources where you can go in and sit down and talk about the financing aspect of getting a house. If you're a first time buyer, a low income buyer, uh, you would not believe that there are a variety of things that can probably get you into a house. And is that also for big markets like LA and Absolutely. New York? Okay. I mean, they're I, everywhere. I've heard of their program. Yeah. Some people that live in the big markets just feel like there's no way. And, and sometimes there isn't. That's why no, I'm asking. I mean, some people just make too much money to get, you know, a Habitat for Humanity house. That, But still, the point is they still have consultants there. They're free to talk to mm-hmm. that can help you with your exact situation, whatever it may be. So maybe you don't qualify for one of the Habitat for Humanity homes, you still qualify to go and sit and talk to one of their professionals. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Highly recommend. Here comes a dog. We're going to wrap this up. The last thing that I will say is uh, whether or not you have children in school like we did, it's pretty important to buy a home, if you can, that has a good school district. This impacts your resale value more than you could ever imagine. So keep that in mind when you're out looking for your own properties wherever yeah, they may be. That's true because Patrick even said to us, Parker's buying in, a, in an area that has a really good school district. And I was like, she's 23, who cares? He's like, well, she may not care, but when she resells it, if someone comes in with a family, they're going to love that. I was like, well, yeah. we just learned something. We did. So anyway, more to come on Corpus Christi, but on a happier note, uh, we are also hitting a couple cities along the way. Auburn, Alabama. Yes, we are. Nice. Auburn's going to be really fun. See what you pulled out of your hat on that one because okay. I'm just not privy to that information It's going to be good. Laurel, Mississippi. Yep. And Nachitoches, which is not Nachitoches, Nakadok, Nakadok, I think you're Louisiana. Saying, you're saying it wrong. I know I'm still saying it wrong. So we're going to be hitting uh, at least three cities in the uh, next couple of weeks, along with Corpus Christi. We'll have a recap on that. I'm going to be taking lots of video with you with your power tools fixing up her house. I can't wait. <laughs> because after yeah. our previous contractor, I can't afford to hire anyone now. No, it's gonna be- We it's gave gonna him be, all our money. Yeah, instead of Sam the contractor, it's gonna be James the contractor. Yep, with me fixing it myself, there may be a few things that are good, but probably not up to city codes. We're gonna let that slide. Parker's not gonna care. She's gonna be happy as a pig in mud on her pink couch watching her TV. With her disco ball. All right, well, on that note, we are out. We will catch you guys next week. Take them out. Empty nest, full tank. Did I say like a lot? Probably. Really? Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.